Welcome back to the Band Coverage Pod. I am your host, Mike Payton of Pride of Detroit. Today we have another great guest, somebody who uh, who you are used to hearing. I'm talking about the voice of Pride of Detroit himself, the adequate host, Chris Perfett. Chris, thanks for joining us. No problem. I think I worry people might be hearing my voice too much sometimes, but you know, I did, you know, work on this podcast for so ever many years. So I think uh, a little ego flexing is kind of in order. Maybe we'll, we'll see either that or people will just be like, oh, no, I'm hearing Chris again. What's going on? And that's always bad. But I mean, hey, you're, you're, you're know, our Dan, you're our Dan Miller. <laughs> you're our Dan Miller. So mm. <laughs> I it's, that it's, that it's is an insult to Dan. That is an insult to Dan to compare me to him. Well, um, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that you're here because I feel like a lot of people uh, we we hear you on Mondays and we hear you on uh, again on Wednesdays, but we don't really ever get to hear uh, about Chris. We don't ever get to hear Chris's story. So I want to talk a little bit about that today and just kind of get to know you and and uh, and and maybe give the the people who listen to this show uh, an insight as to how you who you are and how you got here. So what I want to start off with is. No, you you are working for Fox Sports Radio in Los Angeles right now, and uh, you 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 are our audio guy. I mean, you're our audio expert for every podcast that we do. Curious how you got to radio and uh, and what your goals are there. Well, I like to I like to joke that one of the qualifications to getting into radio you, there there's several qualifications. The first is you can't really be in it for the money. If you want to be in it for the money, you go to television, especially true for uh, sports talk radio. Uh, it's it's a kind of a it, for any talk radio, it's kind of a bit of passion unless you are someone in one of the very few lucrative areas or you're already coming in with a pretty big uh, base to begin with. Uh, the other part about being in radio is you need to have a uh, I don't want to say wry sense of humor. I, I do. You want to be you. You need to really self-deprecate quite a bit. Doubt is a powerful weapon in my tool book, but I find that true of almost everyone who is in radio in some form or way. Unless you are just again one of these crossover people, to get into radio is a bit of a labor of passion this day and age, and it's also a very insular kind of community. Uh, I have worked in music format radio i've worked in college i've worked in commercial i even have a brief stint doing some uh public format radio i i've kind of covered all the bases while i've been in a radio in toledo i was you know i got hired on to be a board operator i ended up being a producer i for a brief moment was a co-host uh to fill in every now and then but i mean that's part of how radio goes if you listen to dan patrick the lines if you work on production on a sports talk show half the time you might be part of the show at any given time um, I was even a broadcast engineer for like six months in there too. I was like going out to the sites and getting electrocuted and uh, fixing fixing transmitters and everything else. So, but the first show I did was like all once again like all radio people. This is you know, and this is where you separate proverbially the men from the boys when it comes to your obsession on it. Is that like all people? I had a college radio st- radio show. And I'm into a lot of different music, but most and foremost, what I grew up with in my teenage years and into my 20s was punk rock, heavy metal, uh, underground, underground stuff, like anything that could get me away from 
the cultural norm I took. And sure enough, that turned into a radio station uh, when I was down in, I think, actually, my first college. I went I got I, I bombed out of a lot of colleges. I ended up going to like three different colleges. And I think at all of them, I did a radio show. And it was usually we took very late nights because that's all they would tolerate of me is those late nights. And as you sit there and you kind of blather into the ether, as you talk to literally nobody but yourself, uh, you start to realize a few things. One is that you can actually can talk. Uh, For me, I was very quiet before I even started like radio altogether. It was kind of. Uh, I didn't really like talking to people, you know, I don't know if that's introverted. I hate that label. I hate any of those labels because they get so romanticized by people, uh, for odd reasons. But I, uh, I just started talking and it just kept talking. And then one day my co-DJ, uh, he graduated before me. And so I wasn't really relishing the prospect of doing a show alone. I had gotten used to talking with someone or talking about something between music. And I'm like, you know what? I let's let's just try doing some radio, um, some talk radio. I ended up doing something that was turned into sports because that's all I could really talk about at the time was, you know, sports. And uh, before I knew it. That was cool. That was really cool. And then I think it was. Yeah, so I, and like any idiot, I didn't save any of my stuff as an air check. So I grabbed another friend a few years down the roads uh, who I had met through Reddit College Football, my friend Ross, who goes by several labels, crafty consumer. I think he's deleted his Twitter account for the fifth time now, but he used to make a lot of college football gifts uh, that were always over Twitter, including uh, several very funny ones of Simpsons in Michigan. I know I know one of them went viral, but he and I ran for a few years. Uh, make plays the college football podcast. And we've rubbed shoulders with quite a few people. Ty Hill to Brandt, Solid Verbal Podcast. Uh, we went to Big Ten Media Days. We went to Mac Media Day. And I just kept doing things, man. I just kept it. it, it, it radio at its core kind of is a kind of a DIY project. And podcasting early on was that too. And I just I we just sat there and just kind of made things for ourselves, made things for a small community of people who listened to us. And uh, it just kept, you know, you just roll from there, man. I wasn't happy with my uh, what I had in my bachelor's. So I and I bombed out from there pretty quickly. I hated marketing. So I ended up moving on. I became a carpenter for a while, which was brutal. But I know I while I was doing it, I just eventually worked, warmed my way back into radio and warmed my way everywhere else, including into Pride of Detroit. <laughs> Well, I'm curious about something that you you said there. Um, so you said that uh, you know if you're in radio, you don't make a lot of money. Um, and I and I've noticed just from somebody from the outside that there seems to be a, a lot of turnover in in terms of like you listen to a show every week and you get used to a set of hosts, and then that host suddenly just goes away for seemingly no reason, and they they reprogram the show. And what I mean, what do you, why do you think that keeps happening in, in radio? And why do you, why do you think so that you're people most, are not making money? Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're talking, I think, mostly mid-markets. Uh, I would say in a major market, say Detroit, you have guys who are established figures at this point who have been doing it probably from the golden slash silver age of sports talk radio, which I kind of define as being after WFAN in New York kind of sets the bar with you know Mike Francesa and Mad Dog Russo. 
and it kind of you know branches out from there you have old guy you have some guys who've been in the game for a long time like colin cowherd like uh <laughs> i can't believe he's still uh kicking around but uh jim rome who i know is still i believe with cbs sports talk radio and uh these guys have been doing it forever but you had guys like that who were in your local markets everyone wanted to have a wfan clone in kind of the the, the 90s uh and then later the 2000s everyone wanted to copy that style and that made some people rich because there was money at that time but there, there's a lot going against radio. First off, the bottom kind of fell out in a lot of advertising. Uh, we've become very min-max with our, uh, you know, smaller markets, which a lot of people listen to unless you live in a big market. If you li- if you live in a big market like in Detroit or Los Angeles or in New York and you're driving around li- listening on the FM dial, you won't notice that problem. You won't notice that problem at all. If you're in Toledo, you're probably dealing with something like, you know, Private equity probably probably has an incro- a controlling stake somewhere in there, or you're part of one of the mega conglomerates that have kind of taken over a lot of these things. And you're the 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 economic proposal that people from way outside your community are always throwing down on you is, why do we need to give you money when we have this radio satellite for syndication? And for better or worse, I feel like you know ESPN Radio, which got everywhere. Mike and Mike in the mornings, you know, Mike Greenberg, Mike Golick, that format was huge. People, for whatever reason, really glommed on to Mike and Mike. That was kind of the heyday of ESPN radio and had a lot of power, had a lot of star names to it. And Mike and Mike obliterated every more local morning show out there. I've talked to guys in Chicago who, who will who will back me up on this. It's like as soon as Mike and Mike came around, the game changed. And that leaves you with what? There's only two times when people are really in the car drive times, your morning shows, which again, Mike and Mike and those kind of shows like the herd, those control them now. And so what you're left with is really a lot of drive time. Unless again, you're in a big market, you can, you can have those guys who, cause you've, you've got those kind of sponsors in those big markets. But again, if you're in a small market without a dedicated team, without a dedicated pro team in that area, you're going to be treading water quite a bit, even, even for, even for, uh, some major markets too. I remember, you know, I one of my favorite shows is Dan Lebetard. And I remember listening to him when he was in Miami and just randomly without warning, their their particular dial got FM dial they had got turned into a uh top 100 format. No one at this no one on that show got warning that that was going to be happening. It just the, these kind of things happen. It's 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 a weird industry. It's an old industry. And some would argue constantly. It's like, well, what about podcasting? What, what about podcasting? Podcasting is really cool. I love podcasting, but there is nothing like having a format that is live. And unfortunately, we've kind of convinced ourselves because it's old technology, because it has a lot of overhead, because it has a lot of dedicated equipment that it's just it's to these private equity vultures. Sometimes it's just not worth it. So it's it's a tale as old a time in America that, you know, uh, high economic interests decide to do cost benefits analysis and decide that the cost is not worth the benefits. Couldn't uh, radio stations just kind of move to what like what you and I are doing right now? Or is is, is the technology not necessarily like you and I? Uh, this is relatively cheap. I just bought this mic. I mean, you have a lot more uh, professional equipment than I do, but. But with radio stations, they've got switchboards and all that stuff. I mean, couldn't couldn't you just uh, switch to this sort of layout? It wouldn't it be cheaper that way. I don't know. You save money. Well, what would receive the, What would receive the signal? 
what would receive the signal? We're talking still doing over an AM or FM signal at the end of the day. And it's not yeah. just about the equipment. It's just about like you're we're talking about programming 24 seven. We're talking about guys who I mean, for me and Fox Sports Radio, we have programming 24 seven that goes out across, across the country. We are never taped. Except I think once or twice coming up here in Christmas time. Actually, I think it's the only time Fox Sports Radio we go to taped best ofs for some of the overnight programming and for like Dan Patrick. But everything else, we're live. We are live. We we are because we we refuse to compromise on that thing. We want to make sure that people have this, you know, uh, something live to react to if something breaks, and that means a lot of people have to get paid and. Listen, you know, podcasting is cool, but I don't think any either one of us is exactly uh, able to, you know, fund. I can't fund my entire life and a 401k off of what I make from the podcast here. You know, we make some cool money on the side, but that's all it is. It's a side gig. It's not exactly like livable money. It's it's I, I hate to pull back the curtain a little bit and reveal that ugly truth. And the thing about podcasting too, is there's so much of it. There's only a, the only podcast I really know, unless again, you're already famous, like a Steve Carell, like the famous Steve Carell line. Like if you want to podcast these days and be successful, a be famous, B be famous and C most important, be famous is you have to be one of these guys who struck thunder. Like, uh, I can't even name one of the podcasts cause it's a foul name. But uh, I know the Chapo Trap House guys who do like a very left leaning socialist podcast make a ton of money on their Patreon, ton of money on their Patreon. There's a couple others that can do that, too, like True Anon. And again, another podcast, a comedy podcast I cannot name because it is a reference to uh, a male excretion. But uh, those guys make money. The rest of people do not. And there's only so much money to throw around. You know, I know when Pride Detroit, we've talked about a Patreon before, but that means more content that we are beholden to in that regard uh most of our pay comes from uh most of most of our pay comes from uh what am i look what's the word i'm looking for uh ad- advertisements ad revenue, so like yeah. yeah and that's ad revenue yeah and then you know me, jeremy and i we've been taught you know one of the biggest things we've done prior to detroit is to start the twitch page and we're starting to, you know, there might be some, you know, I, I don't want to talk about finances, actually, now that I'm thinking about it here. But what I'm saying is that it's not it's not something that you can necessarily create. There, there's a limit to how big the career is unless, again, someone is bankrolling you. And again, for a podcast like. I, I know we all kind of assume everyone has the latest technology and everything. Again, I said I spent some time as a carpenter. You'd be surprised the kind of phones these guys have or how much they they aren't connected to the Internet or just how much it, it is. It is important that every car has an FM dial. All right. And, and if you want to get around this country, you kind of have to have a car unless you have some good public transit. And like the the FM access is low. It's cheap and people can just get in and get the information that matters that 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 does matter and podcasts as great as they are as accessible as they are to listen to them at any time a there's almost too many of them at this point <laughs> that is a massive problem and b it just there's it's it, yeah it just you have to because there's so many you just kind of have to carve out the time for them whereas for radio you turn it on you listen you're done you get out of your car 
So where where do you, where does the future go? Not to get too too into the weeds here. I'm just curious of where the future of radio is, sports I don't, radio at least. I wish I knew, Mike. I wish I knew. I wish I knew uh, because if I knew that answer, I would make a lot of money in my current business. I think people are all kind of figuring this thing out. All radio stations kind of offer their own shows as podcast formats now. Um, we try to make this as accessible as possible, but it's 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 a it's a strange field. It's a very strange field. And I, I try not to focus too much on the business behind it because at the end of the day, I'm I'm production. I'm about putting on the show. I and I hate having to cross the wires like that. It's I know it's part of our hustle hard, uh, you know, mindset or whatever that everyone wants to do. But I'm proud to not be a business person. At the end of the day, I got out of being a business person and I never looked back. The only thing I care about is two things: one, putting on a damn good show, and two making sure people vibe with that, come over with a community and uh, are able to just have engagement. Those are my, those are my priorities. I'm not worried about the dollars and cents at the end of the day. Um, other than, you know, my, what I take home. So you, uh, you recently went back to, uh, to get your master's at USC. Um, I'm curious of a couple of things. So first off, why USC? I mean, it, are they the, is that the preeminent uh, radio school in the in the country and uh, and and what what's the goal for you with with your with your masters? Uh, why USC? The answer is actually very simple. There's a lot of good journalism schools in the country. Um, it was a question of even why I should go back and get this because I've had some questions about why I got a master's. But I'll give you a very simple answer, Mike. I, I hope you're ready for this. Are you ready for this? They're the only right. ones who picked up the phone and talked to me. <laughs> They're literally the only ones that would return my calls. I applied to multiple other journalism schools out there. Um, Cal Berkeley told me to take a hike. Stanford told me to take a hike. Um, I never had heard back from Mizzou. And uh, Columbia and Northwestern were outside of my pay grade. USC, I learned afterwards, was kind of outside my pay grade, too. I'm on the hook for quite a bit of money. But uh, I was told straight up that they wanted people that some people who had some podcast backgrounds who knew radio inside and out um they try to diversify their cohorts when they do their master's classes and they had quite a few guys who were usc is predominantly a broadcast focused uh usc annenberg is predominantly broadcast focused if he's if anyone's listening who's looking for a journalism school uh usc annenberg really can't go wrong with that if you're looking specifically to do broadcast to do radio podcast or television or any kind of video. Um, there's probably some better schools out there if you want to be writing focused. Like, I mean, obviously Columbia is the big one, uh, maybe Northwestern, but I'm not really a huge fan of anything Northwestern does, to be honest, for for various petty, petty reasons. Mizzou, always people talk well about it, but you know, I've always heard for broadcast, like Arizona State Walter Cronkite School is very good, and then USC Annenberg is very good, but they were the ones who picked up and more importantly than not, they're, they're the ones who, uh, and this made a lot of me to transfer and become like a Trojan was they, uh, made me feel like they actually wanted me that, that my material actually mattered because at that time I will, I was dealing, I was, uh, working, you know, pretty late nights, you know, covering graveyard shifts, keeping the tigers games on the radios in Toledo. And I was, and I was doing that on top of doing some carpentry here and there. And it was a very thankless existence. And uh, 
which is a lot of my existence. And but it, it was really something when they could make me feel like, hey, you know, you, we, we need your expertise here. Um, there's the old, you know, medieval ideas of choleric as someone who wants to, you know, feels like they have uh, they they should have a semblance of control and people need their expertise. And I definitely fit that pattern. Um, in kind of a very psychotic way sometimes. So that was definitely a big part of it. I talked with a lot of great people there, Vince Gonzalez, uh, Jeff Fellinzer, and all of them kind of said the same thing is that, you know, they had seen my work and a lot of that work at the time was Pride of Detroit stuff. You know, I've been writing for Pride of Detroit for about, you know, two years at that point. I've been doing the podcast for two years and I had that and like, you know, a couple of my college football podcasts and a little bit of writing I had done on the side, but that was really all I sent them. I wasn't really expecting too much, but they wanted they wanted a lot what I was doing with Pride of Detroit. So I'm like, all right, sure. I've always wanted to kind of move to California. I've always kind of wanted to move to Los Angeles. I still in my 30s had starry eyed ideas about what that meant. And I realized at the time I wasn't going to keep growing my network unless I really did something like this. So, Yeah. Fuck it. I just took that plunge. I spent four days in the car with my cat, who's more of a fighter than I am, who uh, we both scrap a lot. And uh, we got out to California and the rest is kind of history. I, I definitely wasn't as much into my podcast as I should have been at the time because I was really busy with a lot of other stuff. And unfortunately, I thought I was going to make a turn away from sports media in general. Because at that time of the uh, at, at that time too, and it's still true. Like there's a lot of other things that hold my interest than just this small little world that is sometimes called by many other people just the candy shop of journalism. Sports media is very inconsequential at the end of the day. Even though I know as much as ESPN and other people put out all these social forward thinking articles, this is still a candy shop. Like the news we bring is entertainment. It's not really that important. I think that's important for people to grasp. Like sports are cool, but they are they are the bread and circuses of the old Roman Empire. Like there's there's more important things out there, and I wish I could break into those every now and then. But sports also kind of tickle me on an intellectual level, and that's the only level I seem to work at. So I wanna I wanna plant an idea here. Maybe it's something you've already thought about. Just hearing you talk about Rob Parker, who who uh, taught you at USC, he was one of your professors there. You, yeah, you funny, talk real with... quick. Re- can, can I tell a story real quick on how I met him, too? Just real quick yeah, before we jump do. into this question. So, like, I didn't I wasn't even going to be taking his damn class at the start. I just ran into him in a hallway. I was taking some more academic minded sports writing class. And it was just, I mean, God, we were going to be reading books by Joyce Carol Oates. And I was like, this is cool, but this is a little too academic. You're asking for presentations. I'm thinking more columns. And I run into Rob outside there. And Rob, everyone at Fox Sports Radio has a great Rob Parker voice. Rob has a very effective voice. Chris, you got to take this class, man. We're going to be talking about all this great stuff. We're going to be talking about Old, and he gave me the hard sell right there. And I'm like, all right, cool. And first class I showed up in, bam, right off the bat, we're like, you know, we're talking about an Eagles game. So, yeah, that's the Rob experience. And yeah, but you want to you want to. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just had to get that out of the way because I think it will color whatever the next question is going to come. 
Yeah, I think that you you obviously speak with him, uh, speak to him uh, in a in a high praise sort of way. I mean, you I think he left a, a an impact on you and and everything that you want to do. So, is there a possibility that something like that might lead you, Chris Perfett, to being a college professor one of these days? I think, I think you, you have the yeah. intelligence, obviously. I think that's always been in the cards for me. That's something I've always wanted to do was even when I was at my first university thinking like, I want to, you know, learn English because I like reading, which was a dumb idea. Or I, you know, really vibe with music history because I started taking a lot of classes on like, you know, I mean, I, I like Shakespeare a lot when I was in high school. I mean, Shakespeare and punk go fucking figure. But then I got into really got into opera when at my first college because I did a freshman seminar on Richard Wagner, which was a massive trip. And again, probably influenced a lot of the heavy metal from there. Uh, but Rob, the, the thing about Rob is it's not even what I learned from as, as a professor. I, I think if I'm looking at people as professors, there's plenty of people in my life who influenced me as professors. But we're, why I talk about Rob so highly is because Rob is, and this will be backed up by a lot of other people in the media I've run into. Um, uh, VJ, uh, I, I wish I could remember his last name now. I'm kind of a little scatterbrained. Um, but, uh, you know, so many other people I've met, both at Fox Sports Radio, elsewhere, even some of his former students. He's teaching 101 level classes at USC now for intro to sports media. And everyone you will talk to, to a T, will say Rob is incredibly generous. I know he has a, re- I know Rob has a reputation both in Detroit and outside of Detroit. I know the infamous Rod Marinelli question. I know what he said on ESPN about about Robert Griffin the Third, which honestly, like. As as an Italian white man, I'm not really able to talk on that. But from what I've talked to about certain people about uh, with other people about like wasn't too far fetched, which is the wrong avenue to have that conversation on to everything else he does. Like, yeah, I get it. He does an older style of 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 hot takery that maybe doesn't vibe with people. Maybe people get annoyed that he clings to the uh, Tom Brady is a loser thing. But Rob is without question without exception without i can't even think of the right word the most generous man i have met in sports talk media and let me tell you something about sports talk media it's it's a shark pit everyone here wants to be at that top everyone gets into this with visions thinking that they want to be up there in that sports center desk where dan patrick sat or they want to be doing what colin cowherd's doing they are looking out for number one everyone is doing it everyone has I won't say they have the knives out, but there there is definitely some people you will meet who you realize that they're 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 only going to be they're not going to be thinking too much other than beyond their own career progression. Rob is not like that. Rob is infamous almost at elevating people he he likes that he sees as young talent across across racial boundaries, across gender boundaries. He 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 likes if, if you're if you have and I'm telling this to people out there, if you can find a guy like Rob Parker, like you stick with him thick and thin because like he will like, he, he, he still vibes my work. I, 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 I'm beyond blessed to have met Rob and I know why people don't like Rob. I understand it, but I need people to also understand that Rob has been insanely important to my life. Even when I was struggling to find work, once I got out of USC, Rob was calling and checking in on me and we were talking and going out for lunch and just having, you know, just, just 
again, like that, that after I was done with the class, that could have been it with me and Rob, that, that could have been it. We could have just gone our own merry way as he could have kept focusing on being a professor. He, he, he kept up with me. He kept up with me. He kept, he keeps up with a lot of people too. And you know, that was an inspiration for me to just like, you know, keep up with people to, to, to watch where they're going in their careers. And if you can look out for them, absolutely look out for them. Like that stuff gets paid back. It can sometimes be a soulless industry out there. All media can be pretty, pretty soulless. You hear these horror stories in every walk of media and every walk of journalism about the careerism that goes on. And people absolutely do think about themselves first and foremost. But Rob, Rob has a different gear. And that's why I have to go to bat for him every time we talk about it. Unless Rob does something insanely heinous, I will, I will be standing by that through thick and thin. I know that doesn't answer well, the professor get- question, but I mean, I, I think I think life goal is to do something like Rob does for other people. Like that's all like and if and if anyone's listening, and you're thinking about getting into sports media, by all means, reach out, talk to me. Let's uh, I'll be I, I'm more than willing to, to chat people from uh, who are just trying to figure out what to do. And I, I can't offer all the answers out there because I'm still figuring it out myself. But you know, it's it's always it's always fun to uh, to get to know who else is in the waters. Yeah, Chris is definitely definitely a knowledgeable person when it comes to this. I know that I consulted with him before I got into this podcast, which is not nearly as big as, as what he's talking about. But just to give you the idea of the type of knowledge that he has, and if he's willing to share it, man, you should go ask him. But, well, uh, I, I think so I think I, part of that too is I'm 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 a DIY guy at heart. Like I I like building things. I've always liked making things. So when it comes to like, hey, like what what what? How do you put together a podcast? First thing I'm going to do is like figure out all that equipment, the kind of recording setup, the the format you need and everything. Like I'm always tinkering at the edges because uh, I like taking things apart. I like trying to figure out how things work and just like if if I, I don't, for various reasons, I don't want to have to rely on someone, not because I don't trust them, but because at the end of the day, I know that I would rather have this all done by my own hand just to make sure that I know what's going into it. So I, I want to know everything top to bottom. And for me in radio, that's almost pretty much what I've done at this point. Well, I appreciate uh, your help on, on the things that you've helped me with. And uh, you definitely have a lot of knowledge on this stuff, but uh, I do want to talk about the lions with you, but first I, I got to ask this stupid question because uh, this is what I do. I ask stupid questions sometimes. Uh, that's good. No, no, no. Journalists, journalists all have to ask stupid questions. Like people, people yeah. ride them, especially lawyers, because lawyers are idiots. But uh, you, you have to ask stupid questions in this profession. So when our uh, our managing editor, editor Jeremy Reisman was living out there in Los Angeles, he uh, he did some extra work on Mad Men. Are we ever going to see Chris on TV? Probably not. I mean, you you look at my. Fa- I don't know if anyone's seen my face or if they know my. Just my, um, you know, just my voice. I, I, I don't put my face on my, on my Twitter profile for a reason. I have deep sunken raccoon eyes from, you know, years of having insomnia and sleepless bouts. Uh, 
I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm odd shapen, but I kind of, I always have a slunge, slouch. I'm a little short. I don't, I mean, maybe I, I don't have that kind of ego. I don't have that ego to think people need to see me in front of something. If someone's going to say, hey, you can come down here, be an extra and we'll get you a paycheck. By all means, I'll, I'll take that money because I, I have several projects I need that money for, several big projects to in- improve and change my life. But that is not something I am seeking out by any which means. Uh, I, I have no ego in that regard. So, all right, let's uh, let's talk a little Lions here. Um, I'm eager to get your thoughts on some of the stuff that's gone on this week. Obviously, the big news is Braden Coombs gets fired. Do you think that Rod Wood uh, maybe overstepped a little bit on that one? How would you say overstepped? Um, it's interesting that, you know, we've got a president who himself has called, you know, said, I'm not a football guy. And you've got an interim coach firing people. It just seems like Rod maybe jumped the gun on this one and maybe he should have uh, waited. No, 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 no. no. I'm asking, I'm asking for more information on this. Like, you know, what, what exactly was Rod's part in, in this decision? Was Rod the one who fired Coombs? Uh, No, actually it was Daryl Bevel who fired him, but it was Rod who approved and signed off on that firing. Well, I think if you're the president and your and your head co- and your interim head coach says like, "Hey, I don't really want to have this guy around. He went rogue on me." I think that's that's not something a president can really turn down. There, you're supposed to be knowledgeable on football, but I don't think you're supposed to insert yourself into uh, football football uh, personnel decisions. That seems weird. Uh, I and especially since I mean, listen, like I know special teams out there. Maybe there's some holdover, but Coombs wasn't going to be on this team next year. Come on. Well, so like this idea of him getting fired over a uh, over going rogue on a call, which unfortunately we did not have on the podcast, and I probably won't have a chance before to speak on it before our next podcast. It's just fucking hilarious is what I think it is. I've I've never heard about this idea of a guy going rogue and suddenly like changing things like you know i i'm just imagining it's like you know you're he's ancient coombs he's getting too close to the he's getting too close to the real story here we've got to like shut him down because he's going rogue like some fucking brad pitt shit or something like i don't know uh it's funny and i think a lot of my analysis sometimes like i try to stop there because to go farther from there sometimes is to go into hot takery or take something a little too seriously. In this case, uh, the firing of Braden Coombs is not life or death for this Lions team right now because his entire staff's going to be gone by 2021. Like, so it's funny. It's funny that you know <laughs> your your interim head coach calls for a punt and you're off and your uh, special teams coordinator, according to other people, I don't think we've gotten the story from Coombs himself yet decides i'm going to try to fake punt it like that's that's insane that is everyone we we just talked about people looking out for themselves looking out for their own careers that is coombs i think rolling the dice and i i can respect the coyotes on that i really can it's it's a it's it but once you pull that trigger unless you can really defend yourself on the flip side of it I mean, I mean, this is this is America defying authority in this country can get you in a lot of shit sometimes. And like we valorize the idea of the rogue guy of the loose cannon, but no one puts up with them. Uh, They probably should. I don't know if Coombs deserved to be fired, but I don't know if uh, 
you know, it, it really means anything in a long term other than once again, your special team coordinator thought it was in his best in, in all the team's best interest to randomly call a fake punt when down multiple scores uh, in a game that I don't think the Lions were coming back in. It's just funny. Yeah, uh, it's it's really interesting. Also, I mean, they said that this was something that was maybe a long time coming, but if not, that man, the dissension between the the interim ranks happened really quick with this team. It's uh, it's, it's a little worrisome, of I guess. It did. Of, oh, no, no, I, no, no. It's not worrisome. It's natural. Like when you fire a coach in the middle of the season, everyone is starting to juice their resume resume because they know they're not sticking around much longer. That was always the cause. The benefit that should have always been a potential result when you fire a coach midseason is guys are getting their resumes ready. And and I mean, when you, your, your interim head coach just said that too, Daryl Bevel basically said, This is an open audition for me. So for him, this is his resume building opportunity as well. So this whole idea that it's worrying, I don't know if I can go with it. It's just, it's funny. I don't, but to, to, to make it seem, you know, worrisome kind of implies that, again, that this is all going to matter to 2021 is going to come and this is all going to melt away like tears in the rain, which is kind of which, again, it's going to be just funny, man. It's it's so it the the idea that someone is out there thinking he will pad his resume with a fake punt. That's funny. And we should be embracing the fun in sports talk right in in sports talk. And that's why I again, like I talk about Dan Lebitard who's an inspiration of mine, like Dan, if he got a hold of this story and this was something he wanted to do, he would be giggling the whole time about it. And that's where I want to be on it. Yeah. Maybe if you're, if you're someone who ascribes to that, this is a serious thing to be taken hierarchical, but uh, maybe it's worrying, but in a column I wrote earlier in this year, the lions are not a serious team right now. So there's limits to how much I take them serious. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, in two weeks, it's not going to matter, anyways. Everybody's going to be no, fired, and it's just going to be a funny yeah. little chapter in this in this whole god awful 2020 year. If, if that if that fake punt works, does he keep his job for the next two weeks? Uh, probably not. To be honest, it, it, it's probably cool, but then we'll probably hear from Daryl Daryl Ravel. It's like you know, either he was still rogue, or you know, maybe maybe he does. That's I mean, hard to tell. We were getting into quantum physics here. We're getting into the realm of I don't think it's a clear cut answer. I think the clear people expect a clear cut answer. Oh, yeah, of course, he keeps his job. If it works because, again, there's this myth that, you know, your boss likes the person who goes rogue and gets results. Not always. Sometimes guys just don't get like getting shown up. I don't know about Beryl, uh, what what Bevel would have done if if this fake punt uh, succeeded, especially since, you know, it some of the story which seems a little too convenient that's coming out and should be questioned is that oh i punted to preserve stafford there well if you want to preserve stafford you wouldn't have put him in the game to begin with absolutely and uh, i think the other funny part of it is is the lions coming out and saying that this was a cultural decision when this team hasn't had a culture in like five years if you want to get rid of guys for a call if you want to get rid of a guy for a cultural decision we could have figured this out yeah more like at least three four years ago with matt patricia like that's a cultural decision right there but you know that that one's that one's a slow ticker i guess
So, uh, like I said, like we said, in two weeks from now, nothing's going to matter. So I'm curious, you know, because I hear you ask this sort of question all the time. I want to hear your side of it. What are you looking for in this head coach? What, what are you looking for in this GM? I mean, what is it? If you're, if let's put Chris in the hiring chair, what do you God. want the, uh, what do you want these interviews to interviewees to say that's going to give you excited? I- I deliberately keep myself away from the chair because I think way too many people want to be people want to feel important. And especially in, I mean, sports media, there's so many people who think that they can like, you know, talk their way into being a scout or talk their way into being in some front office personnel. Maybe that's true. But a lot of the guys at the top of the front office games have just professional careers behind them or, or at least college careers. And they've worked themselves through that. So I I'm always wary about playing this game because at the end of the day, I'm just a guy in the back of the classroom throwing spitballs. And that's all I've been. That's all I ever will be. And that's all I ever want to be treated as. I don't want to be treated as someone who has this authority to choose people. That said, if we really are, if I'm really getting put on the spot and really having a gun to my head, and it's not to say I'm like disinterested in the question. It's just that I the I, I think about the questions we have in sports talk in sports media all the time. And sometimes they they just after a while I just I do the the analysis in my head. I'm like, this question really isn't worth it. But again, I'll stop beating around the bush. Um, if I really had to pick someone here, I don't know if a name comes to my head, but you you do need you do need a players coach like we we need to stop doing this myth that Vince of that the Vince Lombardi figure comes in and shouts and makes everyone fall in line and that's somehow labeled as the Patriot way that's never been the Patriot way that's not the Patriot way you're a, you're lying to yourself if you think that that's the Patriot way you're just an asshole if you think that that's how football should be played this is a game which requires you to put your your body on the line. It's a game of pure adrenaline of conflict distilled. You need a guy who's going to be able to figure all that out on the sides and put guys in positions to to win and get the most out of them. Uh, I don't care about defense versus offense. This team needs both right now. That's something you lead to your coordinators. So I don't know who that guy is right out there right now because I think in the NFL, we look too much at guys who are being coordinators because of their schemes more than we're looking at guys being player talent managers. Because we all assume, even smart people in sports, assume these guys are just you know replaceable parts. You can swap them in and out. The transactional is what matters. We've been playing too much Madden. We've been playing too much football manager. We've been playing too much out outside the park baseball. We all think we got the numbers figured out. These guys... They're, they 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 they're more than just a number generator at the end of the day. So you need guys who can who can label it. I always say my the best coach I've ever seen in my life is Jim, and I don't remember him too much from from my youth because he was you know very very young, but still Jimmy Johnson. Like that to me is the archetypal football coach. The guy not not Vince Lombardi, not Bill Belichick. Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, who knew how to get a bunch of misfits at the University of Miami and then a bunch of misfits in Dallas to listen to him, to execute and to assuage egos and work and make that all work. That's beautiful. That's that's what you should want in any coach. You you, you want you want guys like that. And that's I again, I don't know who that is. Um, I like to joke about. Lane Kiffin, I am kind of semi-serious about it, because, but at the same time, like I, I'm not tied down to any one name. I just know that 
what whatever the thought process was on Patricia, not that. I know that's that's a simple ask too, but Patricia was kind of the antithesis of like literally everything I'm talking about here. And I was saying that from the jump on Patricia too. I was saying before he was even hired, this was probably not a great idea. And I got killed for it because people wanted to just assume that it was the sky's the limit. And unfortunately, it took four years for people to realize I was right. Not to toot my own horn here, but yeah. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, it seemed like Matt Patricia just watched too many movies because he came in to a, a locker room uh, that had a pretty good culture that had just gone nine and seven and treated it like he was fucking Gordon Bombay from the Mighty Duck. Just started treating everybody like assholes and or, or just just being an asshole. I just don't understand that. I've never understood that that form but, of coaching but, but here, at any level. Th- this was the thing, though, is people turn either turned a blind eye to it or thought that was part of the Patriot way that you needed to shake things up. One of the other myths in American life is the idea of the disruptor. Silicon Valley loves the idea of the disruptor, the person who comes in and shakes things up because the reason this isn't working is obviously because people are too complacent or whatever. So and I mean, like, hell, even people at Pride of Detroit, like y- y- you wanted to put money on the hope you wanted to put money on the potential but sometimes the potential isn't real that's all it is is just pipe dreaming it's 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 a fan dream sometimes and maybe that makes me negative i i don't know some people always accuse me of doom and gloom but honestly like i don't think i'm like you know like some other radio host where i'm just dismissing this team out of hand i give them a good shot but i could have told you from the jump that Patricia wasn't the right answer here, and he never was going to be the right answer. And whatever coach comes in next, to tie it back to your original question, is it it needs to be someone who is more like Caldwell than it is like Patricia. I know people are going to scream and cry as soon as I say that name, but listen, you need a guy who knows how to what talent he has in front of him and how to pull that talent out of someone put them in the right spot. The, the, the problem with Caldwell is he didn't make a good coaching staff. You need someone who can do that too. Again, I don't know who that is. I, I don't know who that is because all we are looking at right now, all that seems to be the popular names are coordinators and coordinators is a different job than being a head coach. Yeah. It seems like nobody's ever, I, I mean, I can't think of any situation where somebody's hired a former head coach. Oh no, no, Somebody, no, no, plenty, plenty, plenty around the NFL. Happens, but certainly the Lions are always uh, quick to go to a coordinator. It seems. I mean, they did hire Jim Caldwell, who who used to be a head coach. But it would be nice to go out and get somebody like Jimmy Johnson. It's never going to happen. Obviously, I don't think he'll ever well, come I mean, out of he's doing. But the, but the thing is, is if if you're a good head coach, if you are a head coach that is successful, you're either going to be retained, or when you're ready to get out of this business, you're going to go straight into media because you can make plenty of money there. And you're going to get cushy in there. Like I know people for very, many years said, oh, we want Bill Polian or Brian Billick to come back. Like, guess what? Those guys are cushy. They're happy with their jobs at CBS or wherever. Like they're, they ain't coming. Like why do you, Tony Dungy, you think he wants to give up his uh, however many millions NBC kicks him to come over and, you know, do a thankless job coaching again? No, that's not going to happen. And if you're not as successful as a head coach, uh, people are going to see you as a god awful retread that, uh, you know, the ceiling is very low for you, like a guy like Mike McCarthy, which uh, I mean, maybe that's true, especially when he's in Dallas. But I mean, that, those are the kind of tiers we're talking about. Or you get drummed out of the NFL altogether. Uh, this this league 
really likes the, the only blood new the coordinators are popular because they're the only new blood that comes around but guys like there there's not a lot of guys who lose their job as a head coach and then get swapped to become a head coach somewhere else there's not a lot of andy reeds out there there's not a lot of guys i mean even bill belichick once upon a time was that guy leaving the browns for the jets for for you know famously from the jets to the patriots but those are pretty rare instances and even when andy reed was leaving the eagles people didn't think there was much left in the tank on andy reed Yeah, I guess, you know, it would be nice to, instead of trying to ca- uh, capitalize on the formula, it would be nice to go out and get the scientist who made the formula. I guess that's, you know, everybody wants somebody from the Belichick tree or from the you know Parcells tree, or which I guess Belichick would fall under as well. But you, you get what I'm saying. There, everybody wants somebody from a tree, and, uh, and it just never seems to work out. Well, I, I think the trees is all that there is, even for some of the guys we were looking at, like Brian Dable. He has time in New England. At some point, there's only so many jobs to go around that these guys come from the same places. They all have kind of rubbed shoulders. It's it's a, it's, a, it's a small pool is what I'm saying. So I won't worry the tree so much in that I could tell when Patricia was coming out of new england that this was just bad business that this was not the more successful one because you'd see his defenses start very very slow in in new england and there wasn't much else beyond that well yeah i think at least when you get a new gm in here i think the big problem with quinn was that you know him and patricia were friends i mean we knew we knew the the minute quinn got hired that patricia was going to probably be the lions head coach at some point even while Jim Caldwell was still on the job. So hopefully with your next GM, you get somebody who doesn't want to just hire his friend uh, and you get somebody who wants to, to, to hire someone who, who can coach for me. Like I, I think you got to go young. I think everybody is trying to, like, again, trying to go with the tree thing. I think, I think why not grab one of these college guys who, who doesn't have any NFL experience, but has fresh ideas and, uh, is willing to try some things and risk some things. I've always well, I that. Uh, you, you know, I offer Lane Kiffin to our audience. So they seem to scream and cry that that's a terrible idea. Um, other college guys, just I mean, Urban Meyer is not a serious suggestion, but I mean, Lane Kiffin is. But you know, people will see that and scream and cry. Uh, I, I I don't know. Like I I don't have much of a high bar at this point. Uh, the Lions will be what the Lions are. I'm just along for the ride. I try not to be someone too wound up in my opinions about who they hire unless I have massive objections. And unfortunately, uh, from what we learned about Patricia very on in the media about his past, which was then swiftly forgotten by the same media who was supposed to cover him, uh, that was completely disqualifying for me. And it just kind of went away. But, you know, that's a story for another time. I know people get antsy when I start bringing that up. It's inconvenient uh, uh... for people. I think people, yeah, no, I, and it's it's something that we definitely erased a little too fast. If if you if you ask me, and I, I agree with 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 what you're saying, um, but with Lane Kiffin, I think the issue there is that he did get a shot with the Raiders, and it did go really really bad. He but was only, but oh, but he was, God, he was barely into his 30s at that point. And say what you will about Al Davis, Al Davis was making a ton of terrible decisions at that point. Man, he he was like he he shouldn't have got the job. That, that's what it came down to. 
is that he shouldn't have got the job. And once you get that NFL job, it kind of slowly descends from there. He wasn't really that bad at Tennessee. Like it's just that Tennessee kind of ended weirdly because he got poached by USC. And uh, hey, as soon as he gets to USC, he gets slammed with a bunch of sanctions or whatever. And like suddenly he's working from a back end against unrealistic expectations in the post Pete Carroll era. Yeah, he made a lot of mistakes early on. But guess what? Sometimes guys pick themselves up. And I, I will once again continue to say like, hey, he went to Alabama and kind of turned around his career. Like, I think yeah. that matters. Alabama's perennial, man. So well, we've talked we've talked too much. We've talked too much about Kiffin already. <laughs> right. I, I'm down if they give him an interview. That's all I'll say. Uh, but OK, so speaking of questions that aren't really worth it, but I, you know, I feel like I don't like this question, but I feel like I need to ask it anyways, because it's on everyone's mind right now. It's the Matthew Stafford thing. Mm. You think, I mean, where do you sit? What camp are you in? Does this guy need to go? Does he need to stay? Do you, do you get a guy, you know, a young guy uh, in the draft and sit him behind Stafford for a while? Do you completely replace Stafford? Again, the problem with a lot of these questions is that they are asking me to have some sort of authority on what Lions should do. And that's just not never been my way. It's it's kind of why I think I've gravitated to national media a little bit more, because I don't want to be the one who is the person from lording from on high. I, I not not to sound like a douche, but I mean, from some of the stuff I've read in my life, from how I've come to operate my life, the last thing I want is more power like this. And even in the fantasy realm of being the fantasy general manager, it just does not track with me. I don't believe it's part of who I am. I don't think it's a part of how I consume sports at all. You know, we had this great kind of shift in how we consume sports going from, you know, you'd grow up and thinking, oh, I want to be the star quarterback or the star linebacker to suddenly a lot of people thinking I want to be the coach or I want to be the general manager. That doesn't factor for me. I don't think like that. Um, I've always just been a fan first and someone who thinks like a fan and who thinks like some as, as a journalist on the side, like I grew up, you know, going to a lot of uh, high school basketball games and just being in the crowd. The crowd was almost as important to me as, as the games themselves. I, I, I cared about that more than anything. I, so this whole, I, I don't want to have a say. And to be honest, like, I don't think it changes much what I think one way or another. So it is in my mind, I don't want to call it useless, but it it has very little mental use for me. So I, I'm just of a mind to discard it. I'd rather react to what is out there right now. I'd rather react to what I have in front of me right now. And right now, Matthew Stafford is the quarterback on the Lions. Now, we, that doesn't mean I don't look at the past. And I see in the past that, you know, there's been some great flashes from Stafford, but I don't think he's as cracked out as fans make him to be sometimes he's he's a fantastic talent when he shines when the pieces are right around him that's great but the reality is this team is headed for a pretty weird rebuild to be honest and i i don't know what value you get back from him there's people can argue what that value is suddenly it's the george carlin line about trash is suddenly stuff when people are suddenly looking at him on other teams um I, 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 don't, I don't know what Stafford is. I, I know he's had his shortcomings on the Lions. He's done great things for the Lions. He hasn't really been that tier one that I think some teams really bank on, especially when they're having a lot of their own faults around them. Uh, as for whether or not he should be moved, again, that's not my decision to make. I have no strong opinion one way or another 
Uh, and I just I, I'm going to sit here and wait to see what happens. I think I, I, I I'd rather sit up on the hill with a blunt and a beer and just kind of just sit and watch and uh, see how the chips fall. Well, we're going to find out soon enough because in a couple of weeks, everything is going to be begin to change. And uh, I guess we'll see where it all heads. Uh, but for now, we're going to go to the lightning round, Chris. Now, if you, uh, if you never heard the show before, the lightning round, it's 10 questions. It's uh, food related, sports related, entertainment, uh, animals. Uh, we got everything, a question for everything here. So, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and start you off with the first one here. I know you're a busy man with the radio station, Pride of Detroit, everything that you do. But when you get a chance to sit down and watch something, what is it? What's your show? What are you looking at right now? Well, it's funny. I end up reading or playing video games more than I watch things. Um, it's just when, when I start watching things, I get antsy and not kind of sit around. But uh, God, I, I try I try to go outside the veil of very popular things because I just find no use. They've been engineered to the nth degree in front of me that i have no use of them so i i don't know i i like going underground a bit and yeah i like going to anime sometimes and for me there's been nothing better right now than a show that's er- currently on amazon prime with subtitles called vinland saga which is adapted from a japanese comic that i read for years before this came out uh it's it's about vikings it's about the viking invasion of england uh it does things very well justice but it's very much so in the um i don't, I don't want to say ben hur but it's in very much so that vein of look what revenge can do to a person how and look what the pursuit of powers can do to people what what firm un unwavering belief can do to people it is a wonderful it's a wonderful show it's very adult i know some sometimes anime anime is a wide ranging art form that goes between kids stuff like miyazaki or whatever to to this this is definitely more on the adult side and it is it's it's a trip to watch it is fantastic so i will always stand by that another anime i watch and i think it's in its third season coming up i don't even think it's on anything besides like funimation or Crunchyroll. is uh something called golden kamui which is again another comic that i was reading that got adapted into an anime about kind of like the japanese version of a western kind of after like the russian japanese war um uh, an Ainu girl and a former soldier seeking gold uh, hidden by criminals in the northern island of Hokkaido, which is kind of like Japanese Japan's Alaska. Again, very adult. I love it. And I guess if you really are just going to get queasy about anything animated, that's fine. I hate you, but uh, you should just go watch The Witcher on Netflix. And I'm very excited to see what season two is because Henry Cavill, uh, for as up and down as that series is, I can tell tell Henry Cavill is definitely loving that role as Geralt of Rivia. Yeah, I, I like I like a lot of fantasy. I like a lot of historical stuff, as you can tell with those suggestions. But yeah, Vinland Saga is one with a bullet. Then after that, check out Golden Kamui and The Witcher. I have absolutely no knowledge on anime whatsoever outside of Sailor Moon used to be on right before the bus t- pulled up to the bus stop, which used to be in front of my yeah, house. It's, it's a, it's a wide, uh, that's fine. It's a wide, it's a wide thing. There's always good time to start. There's always time to start. Here. It's just, it's, 
No, no, it, there, there's always time to start. It's 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 a format like any other out there. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not one to urge people to a trough, but it's fucking fantastic. And if people are writing it off just because it's animated or because it's Japanese and those people are just doing themselves a massive disservice. Well, I'll have to try it out and uh, see see if I can like it or not. Um, who's your uh, Who's your favorite athlete of all time of any sport? <sighs> of any sport, really? Okay, Lo- um, local or local or not doesn't matter. Jeez. Oh God. Oh well, since it's not just football, if it was just football, I'd probably say Kurt Warner. Um, just because that story, like you're not going to get many stories like that. I know we valorize and, and make that for movies, but that that's, that's a real case of something really cool happening there. But across all sports, God, um, if I was going to say basketball, I'd say Rashid Wallace, you know, I was a huge, I was a fan of the Pistons before I was a fan of the, uh, the lions, you know, my dad kind of knew Bill Lambeer growing up. So, I mean, I kind of. Got to know, got an in-track on the Pistons that way. But uh, the uh, the one other guy I'll throw out there, and actually, I think this one beats all of them. I think this one beats all of them. And he's the reason why I follow Italian soccer. And his name is Francesco Totti. He was the demigod of Roma. Of who, He only played for one team his entire career, Rome. And he played for the Italy national team. He won a World Cup with them. But um, just go out there and read some stories about Totti's life, about how his mother shunned other teams and said he will only play for Rome about the passion fire he played for that team how that team with with new management near the end of his career was trying to figure out how to dump him and he decided he just was going to go out on top with Roma and you know Roma obviously never really a huge winner at the end of the day but the passion I I, I there, there's a, there's a video on YouTube of his final game in the Stadio Olimpico in uh Rome and he kind of slow walks around the track that's around the uh, around the, the pitch. And uh, as music plays, including some music from uh, some movies and everything, and it's it's it it's heartbreaking. If, if you don't cry, then you don't understand sports. But like his whole career is mirth and melancholy. It's stories greater than you will ever believe. So yeah, my answer is Francesco Totti, who is and will always be the Capitan and Il Bambino of Roma. All right. I, that's an interesting choice. I like Listen, that. I, I uh, hope I hope one day people in America for any team, especially Detroit teams, will experience something like what Totti was for Roma. That's why I bring him up because I look at these other teams sometimes like God, I wish I could have that somewhere around Detroit to share that kind of experience with other people who are only interested in these things. Well, sadly, we kind of live in like the player empowerment era where everybody's on a different team every two, three years. So I don't know if we'll ever experience anything like that, at least not for a while, it seems. Uh, All right. Here's a question I'm eager to hear your answer on uh, because I'm I'm actually I think this could be hilarious. Backstreet Boys are in sync. Don't listen to either of them. I uh, have no opinion on either. Okay. Uh, hate, hate to play. Hate <laughs> to play that game. But as I said, I, I grew up as a punk. Like you're asking me to choose between uh, Satan and Beelzebub here. 
And uh, I mean, maybe time has softened my opinion on that. But honestly, I cannot tell you a single song I remember from them. I know there's certain labels. I know probably a tune will enter into my head eventually. Don't care. Won't give an answer. All right. Satan or Beelzebub? Well, Beelzebub is Lord of Flies, whereas Satan is just kind of a whiny kid who got really upset because daddy wouldn't love him. Um, However, some of the stuff on Satan in certain uh, Gnostic texts, especially in kind of like, I mean, we're getting into religious theory here now, too, which is something I love as a very deeply devout Catholic sometimes. But uh, Satan can be admirable in several ways in that it is a scorned. I've seen some Abrahamic faiths in their esoteric talk of him as like the scorned lover who loves God probably more than anyone else, which kind of leads to destructive things. Um, That's a good toss up question. I'd I'd probably lean Satan. Okay. Satan, Satan wins. Uh, We don't yell hail BLs above (laughs) it at metal shows. We yell hail Satan. Uh, Dogs or cats? I mean, I think he just wandered out of camera view, but it's clearly, it's been cats my entire life. Um, My, my my mom with her boyfriend just i mean is the first dog i've really had in my life my dad i know got a dog with his stepmother i mean with my uh stepmother um but it's been cats my entire life my mom had a cat when i was born tiki who was a very ornery uh texas alley cat um i had three cats in our household growing up including uh my first cat, Lily, who was probably the sweetest thing you will ever hear, purred louder than a motor engine, um, tore me up for weeks. And then, you know, Ruby here, who uh, I, I'm a fighter in my life in that I like to physically that I, I've spent a lot of my time physically fighting. And Ruby was a fighter, too, in that he was just a stray I was feeding in Georgia until he got in a scrap with a feral. He got his leg mauled and it started to uh, get infected. So I got him patched up, spent my money to get him patched up and bring him into my life. And he's traveled with me across from literally from coast to coast, from Savannah, Georgia, now out to Los Angeles, California. He's seen both sides of the he's seen both oceans. So uh, cats, by all means, they're. They're quiet. They understand their role. Um, they're very warm on a proper night, and uh, they know to shit in a box. Yeah, yeah. You don't really have to put too much uh, effort into a cat, and that's why I like my cat as well. Uh, all right, here's kind of a tough question. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie. This feels like we should be doing list casts on this. Um, Screw it. I, I'm going to go with uh, better, better. I, I, I just I just landed on it. I, I like Westerns. Um, and I think one of the most evocative Westerns you can watch is, Serge, is Sergio Leone's. It's not the good, the bad and the ugly. Oh, that's fantastic. But the movie he did after that was uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. And it is the most striking cinematography It is the most striking uh soundtrack by any by now unfortunately passed from us the great ennio morricone and henry fonda is the villain which was a huge scandal at the time to put him as the villain but um yeah once upon a time in the west all right uh so this one always gets a little contentious here this next question but i don't know I, I'm, I'm interested to see which way you go here being an italian man 
What's your go-to pizza toppings? Um, that really depends where I'm getting it from. Uh, I mean, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm pretty varied on what I put on my pizza. I'm not, I think, I think the prime one for me more than anything is just Italian sausage is what I tend to go for, um, for most of my connections. I mean, sometimes I'll do like chicken with, you know, chicken mushrooms and, uh, onions will be a pizza and I'm not above doing a Hawaiian pizza as a combination and I don't mind a good pepperoni, but, um, I think I think I like sausage. I think I think we'll go with that. I, I I've 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 got a drop of myself at Fox Sports Radio where we take everyone out of context. I've got myself saying a lot of sausage just slapped right on your pizza. So if I didn't answer sausage here and continue that theme of just slapping sausage onto things, every innuendo intended, then uh, I'd be doing a disservice to my brand. What's the uh, what's the scoop on Los Angeles pizza? Is it good? I mean, compared I, to Detroit, obviously. I, I, I haven't I haven't gone to a lot of pizza places coming out here. I'm going to be honest. There is one good place. If you ever find yourself in West Adams, and I think they have a spot up in Beverly Hills, too. It's called Delicious Pizza. I know that that's that's a terrible name for it. But like they used to I guess the guy who used to do who worked delicious pizza, they had some kind of uh they have some background with vinyl with a lot of the, you know, L.A. hip hop um, with some re- with some records. I-, I can't remember what the story is. I know if you go in there, they'll be like far side will be all over the walls and everything. But Delicious Pizza makes incredibly good pizzas. Um, and they also have true to L.A. A pizza place has the best brunch I will find anywhere in town. Um, just really cold sangrias, pancakes made with with uh uh ricotta cheese like just insanely good insanely good brunch with a with very good very 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 good pizza but that's one place it's few and it's a huge city spread out pizza's kind of few and far between and i do miss uh detroit style yeah there's nothing in the world like it um nike or adidas um I go between, to be honest. I think I have a pair of Reeboks. I have a pair of Adidas's. I have a pair of Pumas and I have a pair of Nikes. I'm wearing my Nike Cortez's right now, actually, um, as I prep to go back into work. Uh, I, I think I think they're all fine. Um, I'm not I'm, I'm pretty utilitarian. I'm not one of these people who's going to snark and sit here and talk about Skechers. But again, as I said, grew up a punk. So it's whatever is comfortable on my feet. I guess I guess if I was the punk, the right answer is supposed to be Chuck Taylor's. But to be honest, uh, Chuck Taylor's don't really come in my foot size. So I'm a little I remember last time I've had a pair of Chuck Taylor's actually. So it's just whatever looks cool, I would say. Um, I'm not I'm not hyper discerning or or have brand loyalty or whatever the fuck. Well, if it's Chuck Taylor's, they're now owned by Nike. So I'm going to take Nike as your answer. Yeah, that's that's a bit of that's a bit that's a bit of a torpedo right there, to be honest. But yeah, whatever. All right. So, uh, you know, this is the big question here. This is the final question of of our uh, our lightning round here. Um, Our quarterback wins real. Uh, Who cares? Uh, I say that facetiously, but really. this is one of the things I found very annoying entering into sports media, this idea that 
this this is why people hate analytics people by the way um i understand it's dumb to listen to people talk about quarterbacks as if they're the end-all be-all of a team that they are somehow able to move heaven and earth when the tr- the reality is is like they require an offensive line they require a supporting cast and you know they can't play defense but they are the most singularly most important player on a team that's why they always win mvp every single freaking year is why heisman awards always go to quarterbacks unless they're going to an alabama running back the quarterback is that important at the end of the day so i'm not gonna sit here and like poo poo it as much as a as baseball wins it's it's not it's not Something I would ever partake in. I would never say this guy has this many wins in his career other than talking about uh, lifetime achievements and overarching narratives on a career taken as a whole. However, I find the need to engage with people on this just utterly worthless. I find the need to just like say to to go to people who do say quarterback wins like your Colin Cowherd or whatever and try to tell them as like I'm smarter than you because what you're using is wrong. This is wrong and dumb and Neanderthalic. It's just thwack and a bee's nest, man. Like this was this was a story of sabermetrics people and baseball people. And like uh, I mean that w- that baseball was annoying in, in that regard because both sides would take shots at each other. But this is a fight I don't think anyone except for maybe Trey Wingo is really willing to to get into like yeah it's annoying to hear someone talk about quarterback wins but if they want to talk about quarterback wins then who cares i one one of the one of the things i insist on when i do my radio uh stuff when i do my podcast stuff is i don't want to be one of these guys who reacts to what someone else in the media says I don't want it. I I know some guys who, as soon as they boot up their radio show, will say, well, Colin Cowherd said this on his radio show, and I'm going to react to what he said. I don't ever want to be that kind of person. I believe if I have a point to tell you, it's going to stand on my merits and my merits alone of what I believe. So the idea of going into and policing whether or not some other guy is talking about quarterback wins, I'm sorry, might, might, might rev up the people who want to be smart and smug. But I am neither smart nor I mean, sometimes I like being smug, but it's not it's 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 just so annoying at the end of the day. It's so damn annoying. Like, who cares if a guy believes that quarterbacks win it when it's a game or not? You should stand on the merits of what you believe and you alone believe yourself. You shouldn't have to get into these scraps with people or try to make debates like this is Frost Nixon or whatever. Like, just go out there and just you know, whatever you believe, put it out there on what you're talking about. Don't worry about what other people are talking about in the sports media in this regard. God, I just like, cause I, I mean, it's, this isn't a, this isn't to target you, Mike, this is to target all of sports media. Cause I see this coming up constantly and like football, thankfully, this is the only in- entrance into football. Like the, the heart, for a lot of parts, statistics have been mostly harmonious coming into football other than people whining every now and then about fourth down calls and now apparently quarterback wins. But like, I have no intention to thwack the nest. I have no intention to to dive into something I find utterly like on a practical use level. I, I am I am a use oriented person. Can I use this? Yes or no. Is this something that will make what I am telling people more interesting? Yes or no. 
And the answer on that is largely no. Like, I know I'm not going to say quarterback wins. I guess if you're asking me if they exist or not, the answer, I guess, is no. I would never talk about quarterback wins, but I'm also not going to yell at someone else for 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 using them or or try to get into a scrap or a debate on whether or not they're real. OK, so Chris said a lot of stuff there. All I heard was that quarterback wins are not real. And uh, I'm going to go oh my with God. that. No, 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 no. Let's let's let, treat yourself better than this. Treat yourself better than this. Treat all of sports media better than this. We don't need this kind of shit. This was because take it from me. This was so annoying when it happened in baseball. I don't want to see it happen in football. Just like forget about it. Forget about it. If, if, if Colin Cowherd wants to talk about that Stafford has X number of wins in his career, let him stand on your own merit, stand on your own belief, bring what you believe to the table and let your ideas win. All right. I got a quick bonus question here for you before we get out of here. At the end of every podcast, you say, see you star side. I have no idea what it means. I don't know if anybody <laughs> knows what it means. So please explain This is going to be really dumb. This is going to be really dumb. I will forewarn people. I think I explained it one time. Um, so I like video games. I like old video games, especially a lot of stuff that kind of makes me think, uh, you know, I... I I actually just started the other night on my Twitch stream a uh, playthrough of the Metal Gear Solid games because I know those are intractable for a lot of people and I need to explain why they're so damn important. Um, Elder Scrolls Morrowind is that way too. But CU Starside comes from, of all things, the video game series Marathon, which if you don't know the name Marathon, it was basically uh doom it was basically a doom type of game but made for the mac but it was made by a company that people have maybe heard of called bungie which went on to make halo and now destiny but we won't talk about destiny but yeah people know halo people know master chief like one of the biggest names out there bungie massive success because of that but before they did that they made a trilogy of games called hate called marathon and it was a sci-fi series. I won't bore you with the details here. It was incredibly sharp, very interesting science fiction writing, I thought. And I think it's what started a lot of love for Bungie. It's what started a lot of their very loyal fans. But one of the things uh, you ran into in this game were there were human NPCs in that game. They were friendly units that would walk around. They'd shoot at aliens. And if they didn't die, they would teleport away. And one of the lines they would say when they would teleport away, I think this was in Marathon 2, was... You know, it, they'd say stuff like we're clear. And one of them would always say, see you star side. And let me tell you something. Those guys are called Bob's B.O.B.'s is what the game called them. Bob's went out there and died 90 percent of the time. Hearing those lines were kind of rare. So to me, that line basically just resonated with me in my dumb pop culture infested brain. And it, it, I, I give it this uh, meaning. I give it this meaning is that. You're not the protagonist of your own story. I know we we really love believing that we are the most important people in our lives. And I think that's a dangerous place to be. Um, I'm also going to use another line from, from Marathon in a second, in that another thing I find useful in my life is doubt, elusive as I am. Again, from Marathon, the writing in this game is fucking fantastic. They could have made novels out of this thing. Um, so to me, I would rather not be seen as the hero. I'd rather be seen as a Bob. Um, and if I can survive, then I will gladly say, Hey man, see you star side. And I'll go up there and chill and wait for the next mission. That's what it means. That, that, that's, that's what it means. It's like, cool. We got through this alive against the odds. So I'll see you guys star side. <laughs> 
I'm out. I like it. I like that. Um, I've always wondered, so it's cool to finally get to to understand that. But yeah, I, I should throw I should throw the actual audio from the game into into a podcast one time. But yeah, I mean, I almost did. I think when I thought I was going to lose the podcast altogether. But uh, you know, that's kind of water under the bridge at this point. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for coming on today, man. Uh, it was it was nice to get a chance to uh, to get to know more about you and and uh, to give everybody an opportunity to to hear more about you. Uh, please tell everybody where they can uh, where they can find you. So yeah, at, I mean I, th- I say it every podcast at CrisperFed on Twitter. Actually, you know what? Forget that. I'm gonna do so. I'm gonna turn this thing around. I'm not gonna give out my stuff. Uh, you you know where to find me at CrisperFed on Twitter, and I have an Instagram and I have a Twitter a Twitch link in there. Fine, whatever. Like you, you can find me pretty easy enough. I want to promote some other people out there. I want to promote, uh, I mean, he doesn't really need it cause he's got a lot more followers than me, but at the Jonas Knox, we've had him on uh, pride of Detroit before another super generous man who has been in my life. Um, who I have the honor of working with overnights at Fox sports radio. Um, probably one of the next great voices in radio. If people smart, see that in him and let him be that uh very smart very funny very incisive uh it's a privilege and an honor to be working with jonas knox um anthony gargano anthony uh l is it anthony elgar yeah anthony l gargano who's the who's one of the voices on 97.5 the fanatic in philadelphia uh lincoln kennedy who again i i work with gargano and kennedy together on their things um gargano is again one of those other super generous men i've run into in my life who's always pushing people to do more with their lives who's a fantastic person i'll throw out at ryan bershinger um b-u-r-c uh b-u-r-s-c-h-i-n-g-e-r sorry i can't speak um he's one of the producers i work with he does some baseball podcasting stuff he's a he's a fantastic guy and also a former actor um who else is out there? God, go go talk with Mansur Shaheen. He's smarter than I am. Matt Weston from Battle Red Blog, uh, who I love talking to. I wish I could give out Ross's Twitter because he's he's a joy, but he keeps deleting his Twitter because he's still looking for work. Um, if if you go onto my Twitter account and I promote any kind of artist, by all means follow them. Like you like we 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 need to be following more people rather than promoting ourselves sometimes i i would rather promote other people and i know this is kind of a half-assed version of doing that because i'm still giving out my handle at the end of the day but by all means if you, any of these people i'm talking about man i know i work with half of them but god like i i, I respect the hell out of so many other people i know in my life uh because of their their mental because what they bring to the table their own ideas or their own talents and uh that's more important than my own Twitter account right now. Well, there you go, everybody. Go follow these guys and uh, get some more get some more uh, sports people on on your TL and and uh, some some voices that you're not used to hearing is always nice. But uh, again, Chris, thanks for coming on today, and uh, please sign us off. Okay, um, <clears throat> you star side. <laughs>